Hello, everybody. Welcome to one of our final sessions of our uh, United Through Heritage uh, National Conference virtual series um, sessions. So we are here to talk about how to reach a broader audience. So we are a, a large community spread across multiple states um, and even getting into states where we never thought there would be Portuguese. And so today we're going to be talking about really how do we reach everybody in the community. But before we get there, I just wanted to recognize some of our sponsors who helped make this uh, series happen. Uh, FLAD was our major underwriter, and so we thank them for their continued support, and they do have a short message. Levar os portugueses mais longe. Ser uma ponte entre Portugal e os Estados Unidos da América. Esta é a missão da Fundação Luz Americana para o Desenvolvimento. A FLAD nasceu em 1985, na sequência do Acordo das Lages, e por aqui passaram até hoje milhares de pessoas e ideias que ajudámos a transformar em realidade. Promovemos a partilha de conhecimento e experiências através de bolsas de estudo, estágios, prémios e conferências unindo os dois lados do Atlântico. Trabalhamos diretamente com a comunidade portuguesa nos Estados Unidos. Queremos contribuir para que o papel dos luso-americanos seja cada vez mais forte e para que as origens portuguesas sejam continuamente celebradas. Nesta ligação atlântica surgem, claro, os Açores. Pela sua importância geoestratégica de segurança e defesa, científica e cultural, são um ponto essencial na atividade da FLAD. Somos ciência, educação, arte e relações transatlânticas. Há 36 anos a contribuir para o desenvolvimento de Portugal e dos portugueses. I'd like to also thank Licor Beirão for their support. Licor de Portugal. Yes. And we're going to be having a, um, a cocktail session with them. So, don't miss that. Uh, Portugalia Marketplace from Fall River, Massachusetts. Thank you very much to them. And also thank you to UMass Lowell, Anchor Construction, Atlantis Agency, The Navigator Company, and MDVIP. And if you find these sessions valuable, if you like the virtual events that we host uh, throughout the year, not just this week and last week, um, we encourage you to become a member of Palcus because it is through your membership and your support that we are able to host these events and make them free and available to the entire community. So we encourage you to join Palcus. And with that, welcome to all of our panelists. I'm gonna have each of you go around and introduce yourselves and then we can jump into the discussion. So, Jaime, we'll start with you. Olá a todos. Hello, everybody. I'm uh, Jaime Henrique Simões. My family is actually from Villanova de Poyage, which is right next to Lausanne, which is where they make Licor Verão. In fact, I think my, my grandfather and the, uh, the founders of the Carranca Redondo family that owned the company for many years were good friends. And I can say that a Caipirão, I think is what they call Licor Verão, Drink is excellent. I've also shopped at the uh, the marketplace of Portugalia many times in Fall River. It is amazing. Uh, if you've never been, wow, it's like Italy for Portuguese people. It's just, it's the best. So now that I plug the sponsors, <laughs> my name is James C. Moyes. I work for a marketing firm uh, in New Hampshire called Lewis Carno and Company Communications. I was born in the US um, to a Portuguese father and an American mother. So I'm truly Luso-American. I got a little bit of both. I, I got my... Uh, DNA tested, so I can I think both is accurate, and it's a pleasure to join everybody today. This is a this is an exciting opportunity. Thank you, Jaime. Nuno. Hello, everyone. My name is Nuno. I was born and raised in Portugal. Uh, I moved to the U.S. in 2007. Time when you have 
having fun. And I've been most of that time here in the US, in the East and West Coast. Uh, as a day job, I work for a big, big tech company you might have heard of, one of the biggest search engines in the world, out in San Francisco, where I lead a sales team. Uh, in addition to my day job, I'm also a vice president at the Portugal US Chamber of Commerce, you know, with our mission to bridge Portugal in the US. Um, I'm at development and also uh, a volunteer within LGBTQ charities here in the US too. I'm very excited about this panel and hopefully I can bring my experience as a volunteer, my experience as Portuguese, my experience, you know, working with uh, Fortune 500 CMOs that, like I've been for the past almost 20 years. And Excellent. I'm excited to share this with my fellow panelists. Thanks, Angela and Paul Thank for you. the invitation. Thank you, Nuno. Manny. Hey, everybody. My name is Manny Antunes. I was born here in the United States. I live in Newark, New Jersey, and um, I work at Audible as a research manager in the office of the um, executive chair and founder. And a lot of my work entails both researching for um, for my boss, but also uh, being involved in a lot of these sort of uh, efforts to sort of create Newark into a tech hub and rebrand the city. So I'm very much involved in messaging and trying to reach broader audiences, particularly those not in Newark and trying to attract businesses and people to move here. Uh, I also run a podcast about Newark called Pod and Market. You can find it. I've actually had a couple of Portuguese um, um, sort of interviews, uh, not in Portuguese, but people of Portuguese, Portuguese American heritage, uh, most notably Jordan Thomas, who's also director on the board. Um, so um, if you want to find a podcast, you can search for Newark and um, you'll be able to hear uh, those interviews. Thank you. Diana. Hello, everybody. Um, thank you, Palkis, for the invitation. Um, I was born in Massachusetts in Boston. Um, my parents are from Arcos in northern Portugal. Um, and in the community, my um, two big, um, biggest pieces of involvement right now are with the International Portuguese Music Awards based on the South Coast of Massachusetts and as a board of director for the Boston Portuguese Festival, where I do a lot of marketing and communication um, for both organizations. And I agree with Jaime about the liquid beta. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely a great cocktail to uh, try out if you haven't yet. Excellent. Right. And Diana's also done some work for Palkus in the past. Yes, too, so also some work for Palkus in the past. <laughs> great to work with. Uh, Gabrielle. Hi, um, so I'm Gabrielle and I was born and raised in San Diego, California. Um, I am half Portuguese and my Portuguese family is from a fairly small town called Foz do Reino. Um, I am here to hopefully share some insights that I've learned over the recent years as um, I'm the founder of a website called Live Lusa. Um, it's an online Portuguese community and Portuguese culture blog. And outside of that, um, I'm a marketing manager at the University of San Diego. So I deal a lot with getting um, all sorts of content and messaging out to various stakeholders. So hopefully some of that will help Portuguese businesses um, and organizations reach more people. Excellent. All right, so let's jump in. In our pre in our prep discussion um, for this panel, we talked about how, you know, 
all the clubs and organizations across the country are really all facing the same challenges of dwindling membership, uh, some dwindling participation. Um, some are doing quite well, and um, it seems like every club has a Facebook page. Um, but even from a Palka standpoint, where we are on almost every social channel there is, we're on Facebook, we're posting all the time, we've got e-newsletters and everything. And as I mentioned in our prep session, sometimes it feels like we're shouting from the rooftops, but no one is listening, right? Or no one's hearing us. So we um, would love to hear from each of you on, uh, to start the conversation, what are some of the things that work best? Like what would be the first piece of advice that you would give uh, you know, clubs and organizations or schools that offer Portuguese or anybody that's trying to reach the broader Portuguese community, what would be some of, some of those things that you would recommend, um, especially given limited resources? <laughs> so whoever wants to take, take that one first, feel free to jump in. I'll jump. jump at once. They'll okay, thank you. Thank you, John. Start with, the plan. start with the plan. Always start with the plan, right? Who do you want to reach? Who are your key audiences? Are they, you know, lapsed members? Are they third or fourth generation Luso-Americans? Are they people who have an interest in Portugal and want to learn more about the country because they want to travel there or move there? So come up with your list of audiences. And then your objective. Why are you doing this? What, what, do you, what are you trying to do as an organization? You know, who are you? What's your brand? And then what are your key messages? What do you like to say about yourself? Maybe keep the three or four simple things that you accomplish that you can help your members or your associates or your partners be clear about that. So when you're clear about what your message is, who you're trying to reach, and what it is you do, and you've got that all down, think about how do those people get their information? The different people who live in different areas or different age groups are going to use different media. I think we're going to hear from all of our colleagues here on today. You can't be on every social media platform at the same time. You know, it's better to do one or two well than do six or seven poorly. But my advice is if you're trying to do outreach and you have an idea of who you are and what you want to be and who you're trying to reach, start with a website. And we, I think, again, I think there's going to be consensus on this, but I look at it this way. If you're on a social media platform, you are renting without a lease. The rules will change, the engagement will change, how things work will change, and you have absolutely no say in what's going on. So if you invest a lot of time and a lot of money in Facebook, you may find that Facebook makes your life very difficult uh, and you have absolutely no way to, to change that. So start with a website. And what I love about websites is they've got something called search engine optimization, Google. Um, you know, you wanna make your website easy to find. And you also want to think about how do you bring people to your organization who didn't know that you existed? That's the real key in websites. The people who want to find you, they will find you. But the people who you want to find you, who don't know about you, there's a challenge. And so you have to think like them. What are they typing into Google that would bring them to your website? Think of those questions. Think of those search strings. Again, going back to your markets, your message, and who you are and answer their questions with your content. Your content is the key to your success in Google and other search engines. It's really important. So I'll end on this. The best thing you can do on a website, and I love Squarespace as a place you can create an affordable, powerful website. There's also Wix. There's a bunch of new sites, including WordPress, although I will say I'm not a WordPress fan, where you can create a blog. And a blog, it's like a magazine. It's like a place of ideas of evergreen thought and discussion but it's also a place 
where you could answer the search strings that people are gonna be typing into their computers, it will bring them to you. And search engine optimization for a website is the cheapest, most effective form of digital marketing that I believe is out there right then, right now. That's great advice. And you answered the one question I know that a lot of clubs are going to have. I don't have twenty thousand dollars to do a website, right? You don't need to. With yeah, with yeah. with square, square space. If, yeah, give it to the poor. Or... Give it to Nossa Senhora. They don't give it to the <laughs> web guy. Yeah. And may I add? Yes, something, please. Angela, I mean, I love. Definitely, I I, I want to emphasize what Jaime said uh, around planning. It's very, it's critical to know what message you want to give and to whom, um, and what what sort of uh, what brand you want to perceive out there. The other part I want to challenge the audience is also you're never going to get a perfect plan. I never seen a perfect marketing plan there ever, and that's the beauty of it. It's ever changing. So. <laughs> Yes, do plan, but make sure you're not losing the train and you get into action. Because from my experience and what I observe with uh, you know with other with, with many marketing organizations, is that plan is going to be constantly iterating and changing. Again, the beauty of digital and and leveraging digital for that is as easy to change uh, as possible. But the the key the key part after planning, please get into action and expect to plan again. I would uh, share when you're actually promoting, once you're at the phase where you're putting out your messages, um, two things that I see in both in my work and in the Portuguese communities is when someone's promoting an event or something like that, whether it's on social media, email, a flyer, they either say way too much or they say way too little. Meaning on social media, there's a lot of sharing the posts and there's no context. So it looks like an afterthought. And people notice that they don't respond to things that look like they weren't intentional or there was no thought to it. So if you are going to say something, think about what you want to say and make it easy for the reader to understand. So that would be more for those who are saying way too much. Don't rely on a small piece of communication to say every single thing about your event or what you're doing. Put what's most important, like one line that's going to catch their attention and get them interested. Tell them where it is, when it is, you know, what time. And then, you know, create little social media messages around it that are teasers around what you're doing. But just, I don't know, those are the two things that I say. It's either just so much or you're saying nothing and then people just don't pay attention. And also those don't do well on social media either, in particular with algorithms and whatnot, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to, to synthesize what Jaime, Nunu, and Gabrielle already said, I think social media is there to is there to accentuate your outreach it's not the actual center of your outreach and i i believe anything you do should center around a website which is stable which is where everyone can go and find more information there are a lot of clubs a lot of businesses i know portuguese ones and non-portuguese ones as well where they use facebook as the mean as the main point of entry for a lot of people that's a mistake I mean, facebook is really good it's good for you know quick access to hours maybe some quick messaging but if you want to actually look, uh, I hate this word, but to look professional, to look like an actual business or an actual organization, you need that stable center. And I think a website is often a great way. And then using social media as a way to attract people there, as a way to get your message out there, but to link, always link back to that main site where you can always have more information. And um, I think what Gabrielle said is very important. A lot of Facebook posts, not so much with Twitter and Instagram because you're kind of limited in what you can do with that. But I find a lot of Facebook posts begin like, 
with a huge message and then has to get cut off by Facebook because they don't let you post the whole thing, right? <laughs> um, leave your essay writing for 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 um, yeah. blog posts and things like that. Um, keep it like follow the Twitter rule. I think the old Twitter rule, not the new Twitter rule, <laughs> of 120 <laughs> and fewer. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree. Like I'll give an example. Um, the other day I wanted to go to a Portuguese restaurant and I was trying to figure out what their menu was and I couldn't find a website. So I decided not to go there and, and went somewhere else instead because I couldn't find any options right. that I was looking for and I just couldn't get, you know, I couldn't find the information I was looking for. So, right. With, yeah. with what everyone else has said. Yelp is not, for restaurants out there, Yelp is not your website. Don't let it no, be your it website. Yes. I, yeah, I looked don't. at Yelp, could not find it. I, you know, just wanted mm -hmm. like a website where I could see their, you know, their standard menu and could not find it. Right. So. Um, I want to touch on something that's been brought up as far as like the, that I think Gabby, you said it, that there's too much. And this is actually something I just found out not that long ago, which was, um, you know, flyers that have a lot of text. That's why no one's seeing them on Facebook because Facebook actually will not show them to people. So okay. you could share them a hundred times and still not reach anybody. So like you said, Gabby, maybe just the title of the event and the date and then, or like a nice graphic. And then the details are in the post itself. Or if you've started in like an event in the event details, that kind of thing. Um, and that way, and also when, when you, share it again sharing with some commentary to provide context right yeah. so i think that's really important with that i would even say that um more so on social media than an email or fly or anything like that um users or people on those platforms tend to respond more to some kind of authentic voice so if you have the time to think about what you're going to say you know as even as a portuguese hall for example you can say i'm looking forward to I'm excited about, um, I don't know, something that's unique about that event, like the so-and-so dancers and this and, and trying this, and then just a short sentence and then put the event details. But it just gives a little bit more, it sounds less generic. It sounds more personal. You we talk a little bit- your events on your website. Sorry, I interrupt. I would say you should host your events on your website. I mean, there's great programs like Eventbrite you use for signups. You can create a special event on Facebook. There's an event section you can build mm -hmm. events on. Yeah, create a Facebook. And the magic happens on your website. You sign people up there. You get information, you get mm -hmm. memberships. Mm -hmm. Sorry. And Diana, what was it you were looking for at this Portuguese restaurant that you, what was it? Was it, what were you, what were you seeking? I'm curious. Um, I'm, I don't, I don't really know what I was like. I don't know that I was looking for a specific dish, but I just wanted to get a sense of their you know, standard menu and nothing appealed to me from what I found. Was it a place you'd never been to before? And so you were looking to try somewhere new? Um, no, it's a place that I just haven't been to in a very long time. And I did not go there uh, because I had, I don't know why I haven't been there for so long, but it's just been a while. I just thought I'd give it another shot, but I couldn't find a good menu. So can we talk about um, mainstream media and reaching beyond the Portuguese insular community that we are? Because, um, you know, I, one thing that I have found is that, you know, when I see advertisements for the Greek festival or Cinco de Mayo or other ethnic 
festivals, it's always in the main newspaper because I don't subscribe to a Greek newspaper and I don't subscribe to a Hispanic newspaper, right? So if I'm seeing that stuff, it's because I'm seeing it in a regular mainstream outlet. And I think that's something that our community doesn't ever think of. So can you talk a little bit about how would some organizations and groups in our community go about doing that and reaching a mainstream crowd, right? I mean, maybe there's this general feeling that it's sort of unattainable, like who's going to care? But, you know, I think ethnic stuff is kind of cool these days, and Portugal is certainly very popular these days. So let's talk a little bit about how we can expand our reach. Um, so if somebody wants to, to jump in on that. Um. To, uh, to address specifically young people, I think there's different levels of reaching you can do. But if you want to attract young people, you're going to have to go where they are and not where they aren't. Um, I'm old. I still watch the PBS NewsHour every night and I read local journalism. But I people make fun and of me And you're at least being... 15 younger than I am, so you're yeah, not going to <laughs> <laughs> But like most people my age, um, if you want to find them, go to um, places like you may have never heard of called like Reddit. I'm sure where whatever town you're in, whatever city you're in, there's an R slash, uh, you know, R slash Newark. I'm actually one of the moderators on uh, the the subreddit for Newark. Um, if you go to a a, a Reddit sub, oh, sorry, a subreddit, you're able usually to broadcast your event to a very large, much bigger than you would think group of people who are actually there to pay attention. Um, instead of you know maybe taking out an advertisement in the local paper, which is probably not being read as widely. Um, I would definitely recommend going to somewhere, you know, where where young people are actually congregating and might be interested because particularly now, a lot of people are just interested, particularly young people and millennials and post-millennials are interested in, in different experiences that were not what they grew up with. And they're going to be open to authentic festivals, right? Like that kind of, they're always chasing authenticity. So they're going to find something like a Portuguese festival to be a little more, you know, what they're looking for. But the trick is, you know, getting to where they are already. So you mentioned Reddit, which I love because I honestly would have never thought about that, right? Um, I think about it for my technology clients, but I would have never thought about it for, you know, the Portuguese marketplace that we're hosting uh, next month or in December. Um, so what are some other places that people should think about? And maybe they've never even heard of them, right? I think everyone thinks of TikTok, but what are some places? And then what is the solution or workaround to okay, I want to advertise on TikTok or Reddit, but I don't necessarily want to have an account there because I don't have anybody that's going to maintain it. So how do I get someone to do it for me? Do you find somebody that has an account? And so how do you, how do, you do that? Because I think that's a, a challenge too, right? It's like, even with Palcast, we would love to be on TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. None of our directors are on TikTok. I don't know how to, like, how do we be, how are we on TikTok, right? Like, so we're not, <laughs> at least not yet. So if you, uh, let's expand on that a little bit. That would be really helpful. I was thinking talking more to the first point, because I will say my personal opinion on having, being on a platform that you can't maintain. It's, um, I've tried that through work. And let me say, it's, it's really difficult to rely on other people to do it. It requires a bit more guidance than you think it would. It's not as simple as someone's really great at TikTok. They'll just do all this stuff for me. It ends up not being aligned with your brand or the content isn't, a certain quality. Um, so I think it sounds like a simple fix. I don't know, maybe someone here has some, uh, some great solutions for that because I'm still looking for those. Um, but to the first point about how you get like different platforms you can take advantage of, I think if you're trying to get into traditional 
um, mediums, you probably are going to have to pay like a newspaper or you have to send press releases, which I'm not sure that Portuguese halls and small businesses have the capacity to do. So personally, I think that it's, it would be like, you have to get creative both with what you're offering and both with your messaging. So if you can find affinity groups that are, whether they're on social media, whether they're real life, like in-person clubs and whatnot that are, might be related to what you're doing. So I'm trying to think like, I think the hall here in San Diego has done like a wine tasting thing. So for example, I would look for groups that are like wine lovers or other, like I said, other groups in, in my case in San Diego that have that interest. And I would either ask, you know, can I promote my event to your audience? Or, um, you know, if there are groups on social media, for example, like there's a Facebook group for San Diego events, I can just post my event there. And those are people that are looking for things to attend. Um, and if you take it one step farther, you can collaborate with other people and do some very interesting creative events. Like I'm trying to think, um, I'm just learning a little bit more about the Portuguese Hawaiian community. So I could see, you know, an event that's like Portugal meets Hawaii and like you, you connect with other groups. Like you need to get creative. I think, I think this is something where Portuguese communities are lacking is in their creativity. <laughs> so it'd be nice to see. Well, I could speak to traditional media if that helps because, you know, I, yeah, writing a press release is hard, but it's just, it's really just a descriptive paragraph of what you're doing. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and to Angela's point, right now, Portugal is really hot. Nine million Americans moved to Portugal last year. Sorry, 9,000. 9,000. Let's get that right. <laughs> a million Americans no, visited this, Portugal. This, oh my God, the whole state of Rhode Island. The whole, whole population. <laughs> Not that bad. Uh, anyways, 9,000 <laughs> Americans moved to Portugal last year. A million Americans visited Portugal in 2019 before the pandemic. American, you know, non-Portuguese Americans really want to know more about Portugal. So your events are going to draw people. So look at like your community. Do you have a local TV station that has a newscast? Those newscasts always have, you know, coming up this weekend uh, on it. Just call them and say, hey, how, where do you get that information? Who's in charge? You know, we're having a, you know, a Portuguese Matanza do Porco festival. We'd love to get that included. You know, the other thing, look at your M local NPR affiliate. Most uh, national public radio affiliates will also talk on their website or on their broadcasts about events. That's a new thing that NPR stations are doing. Look at your local radio stations. It might be music or lifestyle. Call this, call and ask. I mean, you spend an hour calling around. If you can get in your local newspaper, on your local TV station, or on a local radio station, you might be drawing in dozens and dozens and dozens of people who are going to spend money, have a great time, and maybe end up being supporting of your organization. Yes, the traditional media is in decline. There's no doubt about that, but it still gets the word out. And you know what? They're really easy to work with. If you just make the phone call and ask, how do I get listed? I don't want to buy an ad. Call the news department, not the advertising department. Call the assignment editor. I just talked to the assignment editor of our local TV station here in Manchester, New Hampshire. He told me next spring he's going to São Miguel and Ponte, Ponte Delgada and the source. So there's a lot of interest. I think you'll make a connection and then you could leverage that connection next time you have news or an event or a festival. It's a good place to be because people really want to know more about who we are, what we do, and you know what, what our food and culture is like. Um, can I just speak to this real quick? Um, so in the events that I've worked with, um, I'm in New England and, you know, in the Boston area, for example, we have lots of little communities in small towns 
around the Boston area, but not in Boston per se. So when we've hosted events, we've had them in Boston. And yeah, we've reached out to groups like that, like Boston city events, even um, like Instagram accounts, like only in Boston that feature kind of events and, um, and like the local media. So, and also just having your event in a public space in a, like a city like Boston, people will just kind of stumble upon it and just stop on by and they're like, what's going on? And You know, then you introduce it that way because they may not have seen the press release or the Facebook page or that kind of a thing. But I have done that in the past, like a little bit of all of those things that we've all talked about briefly. And I would like to add, you know, be additive to all of these great points that my fellow panelists have done. One thing that Gabrielle mentioned, and I want to emphasize too, is around partnerships. Mm-hmm. I, I love the example we gave about Hawaii and Portugal. There's so many other partnerships with other, for example, other clubs, other foundations or charities they want to co-promote. This is where you double dip and this is where you make it a win-win situation where not only you tap into your audience, their audience and their extensive audience. So Definitely think outside. I want to suggest our audience to think outside the box and which partnerships can can right. you do um, and, and collaborate for there. The other part, when we're extending to other audiences, I would want to challenge is make sure your message is inclusive. Okay. Everyone here in this panel knows what Legal is. If you want to attract people that never been to Portugal but are curious about, they may need a description of what that is. And really a pre-on marketing description of, you know, it's the most traditional or perceived the most traditional liquor in Portugal. Something mm-hmm. like that, making sure when we are being extensive and wanna extending our reach, making sure we are being inclusive with our, our message and being very intentional. And cherry on top is once you start getting inclusive and reaching more audiences, either for partnerships or for other pieces or being intentional about it, Get them to sign up to your Facebook page or to participate in a website or even if you have an email list, making sure you're gathering them for future events and then you can uh, you know, start, mm-hmm. start building on that. Um, a theme that has been very consistent throughout almost every session we've had through this national conference is partnering with other, other groups, right? And, and just embracing other audiences, other groups. And it's such a foreign concept, I think, for our community. But if you think about it, like how many times have you gone to a FESHTA and there has been a booth that's run by maybe a Hispanic family or an Asian family, or I mean, at least I know like in Thornton, at the Thornton FESHTA, there's there's always booths from other ethnic groups, which is, you know, and it add, it makes the place bigger and then it brings the, ethnic, the Hispanic uh, community to the FESHTA. They get to learn about Portuguese food and, and customs, that sort of thing. So what if we flipped that and, you know, we asked for a booth at the Greek festival and we asked for a booth at the Cinco de Mayo festival and we asked for a booth at the, you know, um, Vietnamese festival or wherever it's at, right? Can any of you speak to that and how that works? Because I think the initial thought is, well, why would a Vietnamese group want a Portuguese food booth? Well, because, you know, the Portuguese have a presence in them or had a presence in almost every uh, continent in the world, right? And it's just another way of adding to their festival and then gaining exposure 
for our food, culture, music, whatever your booth is going to showcase, right? So can someone talk a little bit about that and how that could work? Sure, I think it's about just asking. If you, as so I simple. like to say, no, no, and I so wanna, simple. it is, <laughs> yet personally speaking, I think culturally the way I was brought up, if I'm, I feel I'm being humble by not asking. <laughs> so I have this hardwired until, you know, living abroad and, you know, start asking on my own, not just by living abroad, but from my own experiences, I start, you know, feeling more included and being more inclusive and including others. But it's just to get out there and dance with all. And that's, there's a chance for for good or bad, very rich history with some darker and with some amazing days as well. That being said, there's a chance we might have have some footprint out there. And if not, we just, we just use the good neighbor policy. And if we don't ask, the noise guaranteed. So let's just ask. It's just about getting into action. There's no, I don't think there's any magic formula there or a plan that needs to be done. I want to, I think that's fair. Like just ask. And I think it's certainly worth trying. I. I do think I would look more for opportunities that seem to, that have some relevancy to what you're doing. Um, I mean, obviously like if it's a multicultural event, I think that's a no brainer, right? Like that's there to bring a bunch of cultures together. If it's, you know, for example, a Greek festival, if they're inviting a bunch of people in, I think that makes sense. Um, otherwise I would look for something like if there was some kind of a soccer event, like you can have a booth and you can talk about like Portuguese soccer. If it's something related to wine, you can go in it and your, your link is that I'm talking about Portuguese wine. Um, I keep having in my mind, like I feel like there's, you know, the generations that are more tied to their Portuguese halls are a bit older. And I'm curious if they still remember how to do some traditional crafts like knitting and crochet. I'm like, there's so many like women, I don't mean to say they're all women, but often they're like women's clubs where they're doing these traditional like, they're having a yarn, a yarning, a knitting hour. Um, and, and you can, you know, come in and say like, this is the, you know, the Portuguese way that they do. Like, I think that is a way that you can build more of a long-term audience. If you go to events that don't sync with what you're doing too much, then you'll have audience at that moment. I just don't know that they'll continue, you know, engaging with your organization past that. Maybe, maybe not. At, at this point though, anything's worth trying because you don't know what's going to work until you've tried it. I would agree. And I would, I would say, you know, there have been um, times where, for example, we would participate in a, an international festival in a town that we typically wouldn't have gone to. And eventually someone who is Portuguese comes up and says, I didn't even know there was a Portuguese community and, oh my gosh, where can I buy your stuff? And, and so you now reach somebody that lived in that community that you would have never reached before because they don't go to the festivals and they don't get the newspaper and all that kind of stuff. Right. So it's also about going to places that are outside the, the hubs. Right. Um, but I think your, your point about going to relevant events also Gabby is really well taken. Anybody else want to chime in on that? All right, well, we, we have about 20 minutes left and I, and I don't think that we have exhausted this conversation by any stretch of the imagination. So what are some other things that we haven't addressed here 
that you think are important for um, you know, the clubs and the associations in our community to be thinking about as they try to bring in more people? Well, one of the things I always suggest to people I work with is I talked about starting with a website, but then the question is how does your marketing strategy go out from your website to bring people back in? Um, I, I mentioned a blog and I just to you know, go over what that is, it's like writing a magazine article and you don't have to write them all yourself. You may have people in your organization who are good writers. When you write these posts, the headline is really important and wants to answer questions somebody is putting into to, to a search engine, but then the words that appear, you know, Portugal, Portuguese, the community that you're in, the state that you're in, the more it appears, the more it will help search engines understand what it's about and serve that content up to interested people. And don't forget when you do a blog post, what you call your photograph, the, like the file name is important, the caption you give the photograph is important, the, 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 like the, the terms, the search terms you put in, all that stuff is important. So be thinking about that because that's really, you don't have to pay for it. You know, You just have to try and get a blog post out twice a month at minimum. Um, and then what do you do with those blog posts? Well, I like to see blog posts go from your website to social media and not the other way around. I think it's a terrible idea if you've got somebody on your website to send them to Facebook or to Twitter because that's like telling them to leave, right? I mean, if you go from a website to Facebook, you're gonna see a video of a cat playing with a bunny and you're gone and you're not coming back. You're, you're down the rabbit hole. So take your website content and your blog content and push that out to social media, not the other way around. Don't highlight social media on your, on your website. That's a bad idea. You're pushing people away. You want to bring people in. That's why I said earlier, if you're going to have an event, feature it on your website and push that to social media because your website's where you make money. It's where you sign people up, where you sell things, where you renew memberships. So make sure that your website is easy to use and that it works on a phone, right? It has to be responsive. If people can't read the website on their phone, they're not going to read their website. Also, if you're multilingual, right? But your website shouldn't just be in Portuguese and it shouldn't just be in English. You can have both contents available because that will tell people who are searching or writing or speaking in Portuguese that you speak their language, but it also will help people who don't. And that's important as you try and bring in people who might be third, fourth, fifth generation Portuguese because with this new renewed interest in Portugal, people's, I think, multi, you know, several generations out are getting a new view of, of, of what Portugal is, what the culture is, and what it means. And they're, they're much more interested. You know, it's not just, you know, vovó live with the dirt floor and a pigeon. You know, it's like, wow, this is a really cool country. I want to know more about it. And you could be someone who helps or an organization helps connect them with their past. So your website is so, so important. The other thing is your blog post can be reused as op-ed pieces for the local newspaper, content for an e-newsletter, right? There's great programs like MailChimp that make newsletters really easy to do and to send out. It's a great way to engage people. So think of like a multi-tiered strategy based on your website, do blogging, use those blogs to go out to social media, to go out as newsletters, and maybe it's content flow to local print media as well. It sounds like a lot of work, but it really isn't because you're multi-purposing the same things for two or three uses. And in the end, you're hoping to reach people and you're starting to create a dialogue. And that's my final point have feedback. It's really important to get feedback from people, to hear what they're saying, to know what they're interested in. If you do have social media pages, read them. Look what people are posting. Make sure, A, it's, it's right and it's not awful, but, you know, are they asking questions that aren't getting answered? That's a bad curation of social media if you're not listening to the voices of the people. You really want to have a two-way dialogue and a feedback 
That's so, so important. So that would be in a nutshell, my quick cheat sheet and how to have a, a good marketing campaign on a tight budget. You know, I was, you brought up something that I was actually going to ask about, which was the newsletters and, you know, collecting email addresses on your website so that you can then reach out to people. I would love to know what you all think about that. Is that something that is still relevant and useful, antiquated, you know, that sort of thing. And then um, it also occurred to me that, you know, everyone's talking about how they need to get the young people involved and, you know, going digital could be a great way to get young people involved, right? find the young people that were willing to set up the website for you or set up your social media or help do the, the content. So, I mean, that's something to think about too, because if the older generation is just feeling like, I don't know how to do a web, I can barely do, you know, Facebook, how am I going to do a website? That might be a great bridge, right? And a first step to bring the young crowd in. Um, so we'd love to hear your thoughts on that, but certainly about the newsletters, like, can you talk a little bit more about that and, and how that's a tool to reach people? I guess I can share. I do um, some email marketing at work. And uh, I would say, you know, it's still very valuable. I think you still reach more people through your email list than putting out a, a social media post, for example. Um, one thing that's really important is cleaning up your lists. Um, people, you know, if you're able to somehow get an updated email address every couple of years, if, if there's a survey you can do, anything to sort of reach out to people. And, and get their updated info, that's important. Um, I think if you're sending emails, be aware that you wanna send content that people wanna see. If people start marking your stuff as spam, it's going to affect how um, email platforms see emails coming from your company, and that will reduce the emails that go out from you, or it'll, it's, I mean, there's stuff that happens behind the scenes that, that isn't apparent to everybody, but you don't want to get marked as spam. It will affect your overall email marketing. Um, and truly consider your subject line. I think a lot of people, um, you know, if you can try and write something that will capture someone's attention, we're all, I mean, that's the thing about email marketing is nowadays you're just inundated with emails, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, everyone has you know, every company has their, their emails and some companies are blasting you like five times a week. And they'll, even one company will have like 10 different subscription, email subscriptions to their company. It's like insane. Um, I would suggest not sending emails more than once a week and, and consider your subject line. Like, would you open it? You know, it's the same question with anything that you put out. Would you open this email? And if not, then maybe sit and think about it for just another minute before you send it. <laughs> Definitely agree there. Um, and in terms of, well, if you're hosting only like one major event per year, let's say, you might have to find some um, content to keep people engaged year round. Um, so maybe, I don't know, post about like relevant holidays or important dates in history try and use even like social media newsletters, like try and educate people, I guess, about things they might not know, but if they open an email, they might be like, oh, this is interesting. I didn't know this. Manny, I think you were gonna say something. It's, um, it kind of dovetails into this. It's, it's sort of on point, but um, in terms of engagement and use the E word, right? <laughs> um, sometimes uh, you have to think about how the, 
piece that you're sharing looks. Aesthetics do matter. And I think we often, I mean, being Portuguese, we come from a culture that prioritizes Baroque <laughs> and uh, overdone sometimes. Um, and negative space and, and uh, minimalism is often your friend. So when you're sharing a flyer, when you're sharing something that you're trying to get people to pay attention to, less is always going to be more, right? So think about what you want people to walk away with. Um, you know, if you design a flyer for an event, maybe you really just want maybe just the image and three pieces of information, the title, the time, and the place, right? Um, and all that extraneous detail is just too much, right? You So always, and that's just an example, always be thinking about how what you're presenting out there looks. When it's a newsletter, you know, if you're not comfortable with English or if you're doing it in Portuguese and you're not comfortable with Portuguese, get someone who really is comfortable with it to, you know, make sure that all your P's and Q's are done the right way and all your I's are dotted and T's are crossed. Um, because I think a lot of us just want to get the content out of there, but like sometimes it's better to not release content um, uh, when that content is not fully formed. Um, and you're actually better off putting out less out there. And every time you put out something, that thing comes out fully fleshed, thought out, you know, looking good. Um, and I think there's like an impulse, and this is true, this is not just the portrait community, this is anywhere. There's an impulse to just put out um, and not to not to wait. And I think, um, you know, for example, to bring up newsletters, I I do I work on a, a comedy show where we do one a, a month, that's it. We send out one, um, one advertisement a month to our email list. We don't violate that policy. That's a, you know, a trust that we built with that audience. And when we do, it's got all the information about who's gonna be showing up to that show, what time it is, and that's it. We don't keep posting it over and over again because we know that the people who actually like coming to our thing are gonna see that and know when it's out there. When you get an email every single day, like I do from certain businesses that I've accidentally given my email to, <laughs> You know, you just, you just, it becomes like background noise. So always be thinking about like, hey, A, how can you stand up? B, how can you make everything you put out there look good? And C, you know, make sure that you don't overdo it because you will violate that trust you built with your audience. It's kind of that idea of if you're always talking, then no one's going to listen to you. So if you choose your moments when you talk as a company, as a brand, then people mm -hmm. will listen. I actually followed that like monthly newsletter schedule for Live Luso and at work. Um, so I like that. Um, and then I, you just reminded me with Canva, like it's, or not with Canva, when you're talking about designing, I'm going to assume that a lot of people who work at Portuguese Halls and organizations use that. I use it. I love Canva. I've also seen people who, you know, Canva's supposed to help. And I think people get lost in it. And I would just suggest that if you are not a designer and I admit I'm not a designer either, like a lot of people aren't, that's okay. Um, don't get too creative with the templates. Find a template and, you know, change the colors, change an image, but don't go too crazy because the templates work. You know, it's, it's, if you're not a designer, the templates work. If you can design, go with it. Have fun, you know, but don't don't be hard on yourself if you're not. Just admit and, you yep. know, use the tools that you have at your disposal. Great. Thank you for the And roll with it. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Gabrielle, just like, I, I'm so glad you brought that. Just two pieces of advice. So first, negative space is your friend. 
um like like just like i love how you have gabriel you have your your little design for your background that it's just like absolutely perfect and stick to one font <laughs> i've seen so many people put like <laughs> yes. a serif font then a sans serif this is all stuff you'll learn you to design. Yes. uh and then italics it's okay to stick with one font and it actually just yeah. size it up differently if you want to like bring attention to a title but those it's so small things and you can learn that there's youtube videos out there you know showing you how to do that it's very easy to pick up and your messaging will be so much more effective when it looks clean and crisp. And cohesive. Yeah. yeah, I was actually gonna ask about the consistency and I will I'll shout out, out there, anybody watching, if you have questions, please type them into the Facebook chat uh, and we can answer them live here. And you know, one resource that Gabby just mentioned, which is Canva, C-A-N-V-A, which is a great program if you're looking to make flyers or you know images for social media. Um, Jaime mentioned MailChimp as a newsletter service. There's also um, Constant Contact, and I think there's a couple other ones, but um, we're happy to make some recommendations on tools that we've all used. Um, but I think, again, when you say like branding is important, may, you know, if, if you're not in marketing, people may just not know what that means. So I think another way to describe it is just consistency of how your stuff looks, right? So if you have five events and all five of your flyers look different, they look like they're coming from different organizations, right? So talk a little bit about the consistency of always having your logo. Maybe you have a similar color palette or to your point, Gabby, that you have the similar template. So people start to recognize when they see the flyer, oh, that's from the Newark Pavilion or that's from, you know, Boston Festival or something like that, you know? So can someone or all of you address um, some tips on consistency in imagery? Can I chime in? It's just funny that you said that because I just had this like exercise with some students yesterday about what is a brand. And I think um, I'm sure everyone has some good, like really good ideas on how to be consistent. But just in case people are watching this and branding is it's one of those words that we all think we know what it is. And then you think about it, like, well, what is it? And so in like a word, it's essentially the identity of your organization or your company. And the example I use with uh, students is the reason that consistency is important when you're doing branding and branding can entail the visual component of your brand. So like you're saying colors, logos, all of that, it can be, um, you know, your tone, which is expressed through communication, um, through your messaging. It can be an emotion, what your brand makes people feel. All these things are, are part of the brand. It's your identity. It's your personality. And if we're not consistent, imagine like, if I, I'm a person and I have, this is my face. And if I change my face every day, can you find me? Will you know who I am? No. So just like a brand, it's like a person. And if you're constantly changing what it looks like, people can't identify it and they won't look for you because they don't know who you are. It's um, a great analogy. So great analogy. just thought I would share that. And then I'm sure everyone's got some great tips on how to be consistent or why you should be. If you have a brand book, it helps. If you say, okay, this is our logo. These are our colors. These are our fonts. When we do, this is a descriptive paragraph of who we are so that it doesn't look like you're having a yard sale. If you take all of your different materials and put them on a table and they all look like they're from different organizations. Uh, it, you know, Gabrielle makes a really good point. You want consistency. Everything needs to look like it's connected. It's the same, the website, a brochure, the Facebook page, and it's clean and it's crisp and it's simple and it's not overdone. I just want to throw in one cautionary tale for all Portuguese organizations because we all grew up with this. You know, since the death of George Floyd, Americans have become much more aware of imperialism, 
colonialism, racism. We all were brought up with, you know, the greatness of Vasco da Gama and Alfonso Albuquerque, and I'm not trying to pull them down, but we have to be careful about how we express our brand of cultural heritage, because it does include mm. slavery and colonialism. And I know that, you know, Nunu had hinted at this earlier. We have to be very, very careful. We want to, in our dialogue, open discussions, but not have them be negative and divisive. So while we're all proud of Portuguese history, we have to understand that not everybody's going to have the same view or points of pride. And there's some things there that we have to look at again. And so I, I say to all of you, as you talk about your heritage, as you talk about your culture, be sensitive uh, that people who didn't grow up as, as, as Portuguese may see it very differently. And that's not going to start a, a good relationship. Well, that Manny. just killed the conversation. So. No, no, no. Uh, Manny it's so funny, it's so, I, it's so funny actually, <laughs> I actually lo love that Jean brought that up because I, I often joke that if you sit long enough at a Portuguese club, you'll hear the debate about whether Christopher Columbus was Portuguese. Um, he wasn't, no. <laughs> he wasn't. <laughs> they can have him. But, but it shows you like, he you know. Polish. The, I, he's Polish. He's <laughs> Polish. But it, it does show you that like there are, um, there are conversations that are going on outside the Portuguese community that the Portuguese community does need to be aware about because those definitely impact how young people would perceive their own community. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, I don't have Bashar Gami, I put it on the Pessoa. How much is he talked about by Portuguese kids, right? Like, um, that's, you know, there are people, there are, there are people that can be celebrated within the Portuguese community. I know we're talking about marketing here, I don't want to get too off, far <laughs> off, but, you know, there's a lot of, honor and pride to be had. It's just, mm -hmm. uh, we have to think about what that means to other people. Um, but to get back to an earlier point, I just wanted to talk about also um, how much medium defines your message. So medium here, meaning what you're using to communicate your message. When I created my podcast, um, I was very, very conscious about what the logo would look like. Um, there's certain rules about how logos should look like being uh, based on how they're going to be used. And I knew that with a podcast, people are listening on their phones. So the logo is going to be very small. So it's going to be kind of pointless to put a lot of detail into that. You want it to be, you know, I, I went with something monochromatic, meaning I only used uh, one or two colors. Um, so think about that when you're designing a logo or branding, you know, if this is going to be on some, mostly seen on people's phones, maybe doing a lot of like, you know, putting the entire Portuguese seal on it, you know, might be lost no one's gonna be able to see it right so it's just like a, a thought you have to go through whenever you're putting stuff or designing stuff for your business is how are people going to see it where are they going to interact with it um and I, you, know, you should always be thinking about what mediums it's going to go through and but still be consistent across those mediums even if you're going to be on instagram and a website and um you know maybe on facebook that you keep that consistent but know that it's going to look different on each of those mm -hmm. uh and I'll say one way to, if you're you're listening to this and you're thinking, gosh, this just sounds like a lot of work. We don't have anybody on our board that can, that has that kind of expertise. So now you need to go recruit somebody in marketing or communications to be on your board <laughs> or to be on your committee and they can help guide this process. So um, we do have just a couple minutes left. I want to give a quick shout out to one of our viewers who's been commenting quite a bit, Luis Bouvea. Thanks for watching. And he actually gave a compliment to you, Gabby, and said you had a great explanation of what a brand is. Um, so with that, I'll say if anybody has that's watching, you know, has questions, wants to continue this conversation um, with us, with any of the members of this panel, please reach out to us, palcus at palcus.org. 
we'll, we'll be happy to put you in touch with any of our panelists um, so that we can help guide you and you know figure out you know how to have that brand consistency or which tools you should be using and that sort of thing. Um, so happy to serve as a resource there. Uh, and I will just do another plug that if you found this session valuable, um, please consider joining Palkus. It's very easy to do on our website, um, palkus.org. And to close, I'm gonna, we're going to go around the screen, not the table, because we're not at a table, we're going to go around the screen, uh, and have each of you just give one either piece of advice or recommend a tool or whatever, one thing that you would recommend or, or leave as, an, as a, either an action item or a takeaway for our viewers. So, and I know that I'm kind of putting you all on the spot there, so I don't know if anybody wants to go first. Any volunteers? No, no, excellent. Happy to go first. A tool, and this again added it to what was said here, and you know, piggybacking on what Jamie was saying about having a website. So once you have that, there's a free tool that we use it a lot and very effectively with the Portuguese Chamber of Commerce called Google Analytics, and it's free. Yeah. I know. I also have another day job, uh, but it's you get amazing data from geographic demographics. Um, interaction for which blog posts generated the most eyeballs, uh, so to speak. And it's great to see what your audience looks like. So in this vague and vacuum idea, no, you start to get real, uh, real feel from what the folks are engaging on your website. What do they, what, what would they be more interested about? And it's a great opportunity for you to leverage that data and build your own future around your brand, around your messaging, events, so on and so forth. Excellent. Yes, we can speak firsthand to that. We, on the Palkus website, we are one of our most visited pages is the Portugal travel resources. No coincidence there, right? So. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Diana, go ahead. Can I go first? Um, in terms of social media, I would say that planning is your friend. Um, and use like a calendar of some sort and like, schedule posts ahead of time if you can. And maybe um, like if you're an organization, maybe um, have like one contact person who's in charge of engagement. That's usually my responsibility. That's how I help out a lot. Um, so that would be my two big pieces of scheduling and just have like one responsible person who takes care of engaging. What's your favorite scheduling tool, Diana? Um, I actually like to use like Facebook natively, but if you're, you know, if you're managing more than one channel, something like Hootsuite is nice. Um, so you can, yeah. you know, schedule for Facebook and for Twitter and then for like LinkedIn and Instagram, or um, if you want to stick to um, like Later is another good tool, and that's specifically for Instagram and scheduling out posts mm -hmm. that way. And I know so that Hootsuite, I, I don't know about later, but I know that Hootsuite and Buffer have free account mm -hmm. levels. Exactly. It limits, to, it limits the number of accounts you can have, but at least it can get you started, and it's free. Oh, and one more tool. I was thinking about this the other day, um, that if you have a like an Instagram account and you want to say, you know, you're posting one day about like uh, an event and then another day about a news article, you could use something like Linktree to link multiple um, sources. 
So you plug your link tree into your bio and then it would have a button for like your website, then a button for the news article, then a button for your other flyer. So those are a few tools I've used in the past that would be helpful. I think I, I should take a tutor. I shouldn't need to take a tutorial on Linktree because I just learned about that and I have no idea what it is. That's yeah, really great. How to, how to use it. It's it's very very. There's not a lot. It's not complicated. It will take you two. Seconds. Okay. I promise. Okay. But I definitely can. recommend. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I can. Well, my tip was related to social media. I think I hope that those who will watch this will be inspired to do things a little differently. Um, in terms of their communications. But if you do everything exactly the same, um, specifically to social media, um, there's been changes to algorithms within the last few months. And really what's going to get your view, your view, your post seen by more people is engagement. So if nothing else, ask the people that you know in your organization to like, to comment, to share, because at this point, it's not so much about how many followers you have um, and some other things that traditionally would get your post seen by more people. Um, now it's really like if people interact with your post, it'll get seen more. And if they don't, it's not going to get seen, unfortunately. Great point. Shine? So two quick ones. As I said earlier, look at Wix or Squarespace is a place that you can easily, using templates, design a powerful, affordable, easy to use website. What I like about these two places, I prefer Squarespace, but Wix is good too. It's basically you're buying it. It's like your phone. I mean, they, they, they're constantly improving it. It's easy to update and change. There's, they add in all kinds of features every month. You can do commerce. You can do membership. Um, they're really innovative. And I like them both as they're sealed environments. So there's no ransomware. Uh, you know, there's no malware. Um, strong, strong security. Um, very easy to manage with just by watching a couple of videos. I think that's important. And then speaking of videos, you know, don't forget, we all have phones now. Videos are really popular. Uh, they're, they're great content for social media. Using YouTube, you can put them on to your website. Good way to communicate with people, show people things. You know, just practice before you do, feel comfortable before you post. And I gotta say, Nuno, by the way, absolutely right. Google Analytics is the bomb. It's such a useful way to understand how people are using your website. It's free, plug it in. Because you really want to see, you know, what's the bounce rate? Are people coming to one page and then leaving? Where are the disconnects? Where are they coming from? What content is really popular? You know, if you don't know that, you're, you're kind of flying blind. You don't want to do that, especially with a, a product that is so easy to use. Um, it's, it's a great, great tool. Manny, you're last. Yep. <laughs> you're next. Um, so I'm going to end on a general piece of advice rather than a specific tool, and that is, um, I don't do this. I don't do marketing professionally. I think on the screen, I'm the only one who doesn't do it professionally, um, and so that just means don't be afraid, you know, to delve into that kind of stuff, and don't get lost in the, the jargon that's used around the business. Um, it's all of it's very intuitive, um, and it really comes down to like, you know, what why do you, you should always be thinking about why should you be listened to it's a it's fundamentally persuasion and if you're thinking about you know does my piece uh, or whatever is i'm releasing out there you know look good does it uh have meaning you know if you're thinking about those things you'll eventually pick up the tools along the way because there's actually a lot of great um a lot, a lot of great um at, uh, information you can find out there to on how to do it it's it's not as complicated as you would think excellent and with that we're gonna wrap
Thank you all for your time. I think this has been really such a great discussion. And I hope that even people get one piece of advice and try something new from this discussion. Um, so hopefully we'll start to see better content on all of the social channels and more websites for halls and clubs and things like that. So thank you everybody for your participation. Thanks to everybody who watched. Uh, this will be recorded and, and posted on YouTube uh, and uh, the Palkus website. And it's available immediately uh, on Facebook right after this. So thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.